And you know, when you start tracking Jesus, just follow his footsteps through the Gospels, we find that Jesus was a praying Savior. He's a praying Savior. He modeled prayer. Matter of fact, he modeled prayer so well that one day his disciples looked at him and said, Lord, we've been watching you. We've been watching the way you pray. We've been hearing you and the way you connect with God. And, he, and they said, teach us, teach us to pray. And Jesus did. And he gave the Lord's Prayer. That's what I'm going to be talking about today. And how many of you want to say to Jesus with the disciples, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Amen. So I'm going to read two, uh, two of the different Gospels, one verse out of Luke 11 and verse 1, and then I'm going to read Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And let's just go through that little drama of when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray and what he responded with. And let's read it. Now, here's Luke 11, 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, like John taught his disciples. Now, Jesus' more complete response is in Matthew. And Matthew 6, 9 begins, this then, Jesus said, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We ought to read this together. We all know this. Let's read it together, can we? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours, let's lift our hands, that yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Notice the Lord's Prayer begins with praise and ends with praise. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you, Lord, that you gave this prayer as a model prayer. And Lord, I pray that as we look at this today and break it down and unpack it, that you will help us to understand better how to pray more effectively, more productively, with more fervency, with more confidence. Lord, I am praying continually, starting with the speaker, that you will take our prayer life to another level, take us higher to another level, increase our praying. Lord, give us a greater revelation of prayer, a greater motivation to pray. Lord, move on this congregation, move on me, move on us to pray more effectively and more mightily with greater results. Lord, thank you for giving us a desire to pray, a passion to pray, a longing to pray, a want to do, a want to do it, a want to do it. Thank you, Lord, for hammering this and shaping this into our life. Now, will you breathe a prayer and just say, Lord, increase my prayer. Give me ears to hear this today. Change my prayer life today in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God heard that. I know God heard that. Amen. Now, as I said, that our, our Lord Jesus was a praying Savior. And I just looked at a couple of the situations I found him praying in as I went through the Gospels. He prayed, Jesus prayed regularly after long days of hard labor in the ministry, constant labor. Dawn to dusk, after he had been all day just giving everything he had, he would still pray. The Bible says 
following one long day of dawn to dusk ministry, Jesus grabbed just a little bit of sleep, and then it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place, what he called the secret place, where he prayed. He prayed. It was more important to him to pray than to sleep. He prayed before making big decisions, very important. It says that on the night before choosing his first disciples, quote, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And then the next morning, we find him walking along the seashore saying to Peter, follow me, Andrew, follow me, James and John, follow me. But he didn't pick his men, he didn't pick his key men, his future world shakers, until he had prayed all night long. It's wise, church, to pray before you make any major decision. Say, God, lead me. God, direct me. I find that Jesus prayed before his great, mighty, powerful, defining moment experiences with God. One example is before he was water baptized. It says, as he was praying, when he was down in the water, he walked down to John the Baptist in the water, And it says, as he was praying, that's when the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And the voice spoke, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. What preceded that? Prayer. What preceded a mighty experience with God? Prayer. Same thing on the the Mount of Transfiguration. He climbs the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And it says, as he was praying, his face shined like the sun. And the mighty transfiguration happened. Suddenly there's Moses and Elijah. All of that was preceded by prayer. Prayer. Do you need a new experience with God, a powerful experience with God? Then do what Jesus did. Go into prayer. Prayer precedes power. Amen. Now, as the disciples were watching the incredible prayer life, the animated prayer life of the Lord Jesus Christ... They got moved. They said, Lord, we want to pray like that. We want to pray like you do. We want, to, we want to touch God like you do. Teach us to pray. And he responded with what we call the Lord's Prayer. But you know what? It's not really the Lord's Prayer. It's your prayer. The Lord gave it to you, and he gave it to me. But we call it the Lord's Prayer. Now, he didn't give us the Lord's Prayer to just kind of mindlessly recite it, thinking that if we recite it, it does something. But he gave us the Lord's Prayer so that we could understand the contents and pray it earnestly from our heart and not just mindless recitation. So I, I want to break it down, and I'm going to show you this prayer, this model prayer, is an amazing prayer because it covers every point in life where you could possibly have a need. It covers everything. It touches everything. It hits five areas, and here they are. Say them with me. Purpose. Praise provision, pardon, and protection. Let's try that again because I had like 10 of you following me there. You ought to know me by now. I'm going to make you redo it if you don't go along with me. So here we go. Ready? Do it again. Purpose, praise, provision, pardon, protection. Now that's easy to remember five Ps, easy to remember. So let's, let's unpack it. Let's break it down and see what Jesus, now he didn't say you've got to pray this every time you pray. But he said a good prayer time, a productive prayer time, should consist of these things. All right? So first he says praise. Praise is the very first thing. Our Father 
in heaven, hallowed be your name. Wow. Now, I want to just point out before I go into the praise part, how he pictures, how he, how he places prayer in, in a child-father context. He says, you're not just praying to some indefinable, uncaring, maybe even angry or distant God who's hard to touch and hard to get to know. But he said, I want you to go to him as your father, our father, my father, your father. So it might even be good if we started out and said, my father in heaven, my father in heaven. What is the first thing the Holy Ghost wants you to say when you're saved and born again? What, what is that phrase? Abba, father. We don't have a mean, mean, distant God in heaven. We have a father, a father. And, and so this, this makes prayer immediately relational, personal, uh, um, intimate. It, it's intimate. It's special, loving. I'm going to a father, my father. I, I love the way that Jesus framed this because it takes all the fear away. We're going to a father, Abba, father. And we're asking our Father to help us. Jesus said in another place, if, if you hard-hearted, sinful men know how to give good gifts to your children, won't your Father in heaven give good things to those that ask him? And in Luke's gospel, he says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So Jesus, over and over again, taught us to look at God as our Father. He's my Father. He's your Father. Can we just lift our hands a minute and say, Lord, you're my Father. You're my Father. You're my Father. Can we give him a hand of praise today? He's our Father. So we, we know that a good father, a, a decent father, wants to take care of his children. And that's how we're to view God when we pray. So immediately, Jesus puts it in that context all right, you want to know how to pray? Here's how to pray. First thing you do, look at God as your father. He's your father and you're his child. Now, the second half of the verse is the praise part. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is a praise word. It means holy, special, sacred, set apart from all other names. You know, we sing the song, there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search the whole world wide or whatever. I can't think of all the words right now, but I would find there is none like you. That's what hallowed means. There, Lord, there is no one, no God, none like you. It's praise. You, you stand alone in the universe as Father God. There is nobody worthy of my praise but you. And so notice how Jesus has us entering the place of prayer. You're my Father so I see you as my providing, helping, loving, caring father, but I'm also going to enter into the place of prayer with praise. I'm going to praise you right off the bat. I'm going to enter the place of prayer with praise. Now, why begin with praise? Well, here's why. Because praise is the doorway into God's presence. How many of you love the presence of God? Don't you love the presence of God? I think that's going to be the worst thing about hell. The worst thing about hell is there is not one scintilla of the presence of God. But heaven, you're going to be swallowed up in the presence of God. So when we enter his gates with thanksgiving, that's what the psalm says. You enter his gates with thanksgiving. You enter his courts with praise. That's a psalm all about entering into the presence of God. You enter his presence with thanksgiving. 
You enter his presence with praise. And then look how he ends it. Be thankful to him and bless his what? Name. Hallowed be thy what? Name. So we bless his name. So Jesus has us entering prayer in in a powerful, leveraged position. We see God as our providing father, and we're entering his gates with praise. And as we praise him, guess who visits our prayer time? He inhabits the what of his people, praise of his people. Last night when I got down on my knees to pray over these services, um, I had just studied this, and so I just lifted my hands. And I said, Lord, I'm just, I'm just praising you. I praise you that you're a prayer answering God. I praise you for your mercy. I praise you for your grace. I praise you that I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I praise you, Lord, for all the good things you have done. I praise you for all the times you have protected me. I praise you for this and that and the other. And I started praising him, and before I knew it, whoosh, the presence of God was there. Amen. So Jesus knew exactly, of course, without saying what he was doing. He said, look at him as your father as you enter the place of praise or prayer and then praise him. And and as you praise him and his presence falls, it greases the skids. It sets the stage. It it sets the table for what is about to follow. Amen. So everybody say praise. praise. Now, the next part of the prayer is purpose. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, notice the first two parts of the Lord's Prayer are all about God. They're vertical. The last three parts are all about us getting our needs met. They're horizontal. But the first two parts are vertical. We are focused God word. Hallowed be your name. That's praise. Your kingdom come. That's your purpose. So in this second part, Jesus is telling us, if you're a child of mine, if you're walking with me, you've been born again, you know me personally, you love me, then let me tell you what your highest purpose is. It's the kingdom of God, the advancement of the kingdom of God. When I go into prayer, it's, it's first not about me, it's about him. It's about him. It's about him. Your kingdom come, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. I'm all about kingdom work. I'm all about the kingdom of God. Now, listen very carefully to me. No matter what you do vocationally, career-wise, to make a living, pay the bills, fulfill your ambitions, you should ultimately, and so should I, be all about ultimately advancing the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Lord, I want to see your kingdom advanced in the world. I want to see the devil defeated and Jesus glorified. I want to see chains snap. I want to see the lost saved. I want to see people encounter the love of God. I want the kingdom of God to advance. I want satanic assignments to be canceled. I want to see the devil lose ground. I want to see God gain ground. I want to see the kingdom of God advanced. Thy kingdom come. Can we say it together? Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Witnessing to others, spreading the word, loving others in his name, doing good works in his name, serving as lights of the world, salt of the earth. Lord, I want your kingdom advanced in my life. I want to be a kingdom man, a kingdom woman. Cindy and I yesterday were out running around and we decided to go into In-N-Out Burger. 
I smelled it going by. I did a U-E. No. And, and, and we get this In-N-Out. We, 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 we drive through. And, and I have read about the owner of In-N-Out Burger. Here's a shameless plug for In-N-Out Burger. But I've read about the owner of the In-N-Out Burger, read her testimony. It's a family business, and now it has just exploded all over the, the, the country and probably different parts of the world. But she's a sold-out, committed Christian. And so she decided, well, you know what? I'm a businesswoman, and here I have In-N-Out Burger. What can I do? And she started putting Bible verses on every cup. So I'm getting this. I think I had a 7-Up. I got a 7-Up. And I looked at the bottom of the cup, John 3.16. I turned to Cindy, and I said, how many millions of people because she decided to do that. How many millions of people have read John 3.16? See, what she did was, I'm a businesswoman, but I'm a child of God, and that means I'm all about kingdom business. So whatever I do as a business, I'm going to get the kingdom into it, and I'm going to testify to my Savior. And so she used her business to thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. How many people, college students all over the country, I mean, young and old, have looked and said, oh, John three sixteen, and, and, and looked it up. And different verses will also be there, not just that one, but they testify, they testify to the kingdom of God. So what he's telling us here is no matter what you do, no matter where you are in life, no matter what your degree is in or what you do vocationally, make, make the kingdom of God your ultimate thing. I'm about the kingdom of God. Now, yes, I'm a preacher. Yes, I am. But before I was in full-time ministry, I still made everything I did about the kingdom of God. I'm about the kingdom of God. I don't want to see this world's ideas and plans and schemes and sin advanced. I want to see the kingdom of God advanced. Amen? Come on, everybody. So say with me, praise, purpose, Now let's say together, my purpose is the kingdom of God. Amen. Isn't it good to have a purpose in life? Amen. Now Jesus takes the prayer from all about God, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, and now he's going to take care of us. Next thing he says to pray for is provision. Give us today our daily bread. Now in the original language, you can read this way. Give us day by day our daily bread day by day. He's teaching an attitude here, and catch this, of daily dependence on God. You know, the older I get, the more I go on in God, the more dependent I feel on him. What's that old song, learning to lean? Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than I ever dreamed. Learning to lean on Jesus. Amen? You'll find, what did Jesus say? He said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. What does a branch do? Hangs around. A branch just hangs, right? Just hangs around. What what is it hanging on? A vine. So it's abiding in the vine. Any branch that produces good fruit is well connected to the vine and abides in that vine 24-7. And whatever is in the vine comes into the branch. Now the Bible says here, Jesus says, I want you to every single day, Depend on me. Depend on God. You say, well, I, you know, pastor, I got a lot of money. It's hard for me to do that. Let me, let me help you here. You wouldn't be breathing if he didn't give you breath today. You say, you say I, I don't really need daily provision. Oh, really? You, you need daily breath 
You need daily sight. You need the ability to walk every day, get up every day, go do what you do every day, think every day. And all of that comes from God. My times are in your hands, David said. My times are in your hands. So no matter what you do, you can be a billionaire. You're still dependent on him, dependent for life, dependent on him for victory, dependent on him for fruit bearing, dependent on him for salvation, dependent on him for freedom and and deliverance. It's the very same lesson that God was trying to teach the children of Israel in the wilderness. God told Moses, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out every day and gather, watch this, enough for that day. Enough for that day. So everybody say daily. We read that there wasn't enough for the next day. It wasn't there. And they couldn't eat yesterday's manna because it had 24-hour shelf life and went bad after 24 hours. So what was God teaching them? I want you to every day depend on me. When you get up and you open the flaps to that tent, and you look out there, I want you to depend on me, your father, your God, that I've got manna on the ground waiting for you. And every day when they went and gathered it, they were learning to daily lean, learning to lean, learning to lean, learning to lean. Israel learned to trust God day by day for their provision, just like Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. And you know, Jesus continually reassures us in the Bible, in all of his teachings, that that God is so willing to take care of your needs. He's so willing. Jesus said, don't worry at all about having enough food and clothing. But your heavenly father already knows perfectly well that you need them. And he will give them to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. Now, that's a conditional promise. If you make him first, he's going to take care of you. If you make him first, he is going to take care of you. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. You put him first in your life, you get up, and it's all about Jesus. And you say, Lord, I'm seeking you. You get into that word. You get into prayer. You say, Lord, I want to follow you today. Guide my steps. Direct my way. Direct my path. Make a way where there is no way. Help me to glorify you today. If you do that, then he's looking down on you, and he says, I'm going to take care of you. So he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live, read it with me. Live how? Live one day at a time. Live one day at a time. Another song. I got songs on my mind today. One day at a time. Sweet Jesus. One day at a time. Amen? So everybody say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So every day we depend on him. Give me today, Lord, my daily bread. And I think that's more than just the money to pay the bills. I think we can pray this way. Give me the money I need to pay my bills. But Lord, give me the strength to weather the storms. Give me the word I need from your holy Bible to build my faith. Give me the joy I need to rejoice my heart. Give me the right kind of friends so that I can go up instead of down. Lord, today, give me today what I need for sustenance to survive and thrive and grow in this dark and wicked world. Lord, today, give me my daily bread. And he says, I'll give it to you. So everybody say praise, purpose, provision. And the next prayer is pardon, pardon. He says, forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, this part of the Lord's Prayer is powerful. Oh, folks, how we need this. Because look, he's, he's making sure that every single day our conscience is clear. Every day. Vertically and horizontally. He said, forgive me my debts as I have forgiven my debtors. As I have. As I have forgiven my debtors, forgive me my debts. As I have forgiven those who have offended me, now, Lord, forgive me for having offended you. Lord, I'm not only asking forgiveness, but I'm also practicing forgiveness. I'm a forgiver. And that way, folks, you can't go through a day without a clear conscience. And how important is a clear conscience? You will not win spiritual battles without a clear conscience. We got to have a clear conscience. That means there's peace between you and God. That means when you go into the place of God, you're not feeling like you've got to stare at the ground and you can't look up at him. No, a clear conscience gives us boldness to go to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the hour of need. A clear conscience. Paul said, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. I want things right vertically and I want things right horizontally as much as I possibly can. Now, there are some people that will not forgive you. They just want to be ornery. They want to be difficult. But you know what? That doesn't mean you can't forgive them. If they don't want to forgive you, that's fine. That's between them and God. There's a few people in my life, just a few. I can think of maybe two or three for whatever reason. They they don't forgive me. But for whatever, little offenses along the way, whatever. They won't get things right. And, And I've gone to them. But when I walked away, the Lord said, that's okay, you tried. Now you just forgive them in my presence, and I'm going to forgive you. And I know that I'm forgiven, and I know that I tried. So even if they won't forgive you, you can still forgive them and move down the road. And it's so important you do that because we've got to have a clear conscience because a clear conscience and spiritual victory go hand in hand. Amen. Listen to what the Bible says. Timothy, my son... Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. Does that sound like a suggestion to you? Huh? Did he say, Timothy, pray about a clear conscience? It might be something you might want to go after someday. Did, did he say that? No, he said, he said Timothy, here, it's in the command form. Timothy, cling to Jesus and keep your conscience clear. Keep it clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Whoa. Their faith has been shipwrecked. Because if if your conscience isn't clear, you're in in darkness, you're blind, you're groping, you're not going through life with clear vision. I don't know about you, but I want a clear conscience. I want all of Jesus. I want a clear mind, a clear heart, a clear conscience, so that I have nothing pulling me back from following Jesus every day. Life is too short to let anything get in the way of a 100% maximum walk with God. Listen, no person in your past is worth your future. Nobody, no person in your past is worth your future. And if we don't forgive people, here's the deal, they're controlling us. They're controlling us because they're standing between us and God. So I want to say, get out of my way. I want to see Jesus. 
Get out of my way. You're standing between me and Jesus. I'll forgive you. Do you deserve it? No. Uh, uh, Do I have to forgive you? If I want to walk with God, yes. Uh, um, Do I have to go back into relationship with you if I forgive you? Not necessarily at all. Listen, forgiveness does not require reconciliation. God may want you to reconcile, but there may be somebody dangerous to you, but you still need to forgive them. That doesn't mean you've got to go back into a relationship with them, but you've got to forgive them. Because there is nobody worth my destiny, nobody worth my walk, nobody worth my victory, nobody worth my Jesus, nobody worth me bearing fruit. Nobody is worth my future. Amen. Good preaching, Jeff. Good preaching. None of this is in my notes. I'm, I'm just stemming off right now. Because some of you need to know, say, well, well, I'm not going to forgive them because they don't deserve it. Well, listen, no, they don't deserve it, but neither did you. You didn't either. If, if Jesus hadn't shed his blood, then, then none of us would have been forgiven. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were spitting in his face and walking in sin and walking in rebellion and hating God, Jesus died for us. And so we love him because he first loved us. Amen. So if he can do that for me while I'm spitting in his face, you can forgive somebody who has hurt you. And I'm talking about they have profoundly hurt you, deeply hurt you. Listen, don't let them control your life. Put them behind you. Let us lay aside every sin and the weights. Let us, lay, let us put down every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. You've got to lay down that weight. Lay down that sin. You've got to let that sin go, and you've got to let the weight go. And sometimes those weights are people that we won't forgive. And you've got to let them go. 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 Say goodbye. If I daily pray for forgiveness and forgive others as well, listen, I will have a clear conscience. And finally, the last part, protection. He said, now, here's how you end your prayer. You want to know how to pray, guys? Here's how you end your prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Not evil, but the evil one. The Greek has a personal pronoun. It's the evil one, the devil. He's talking about the devil. He's saying, Lord, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the devil and his stratagems, his schemes, his strategies, his attempts to ruin my life. Lord, deliver me from him. Now, I used to read this and go, wait a minute. Lead us not into temptation. I'm asking God not to lead me into temptation. But James says... When tempted, nobody should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So what's up with this? Because Jesus said, pray, Lord, don't lead me into temptation. Well, there's two words for temptation. One is to sin, temptation to sin. And when you're being tempted to sin, you can know God's nowhere in that. But every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That's what James teaches. So there's the temptation of sin that God's not in, but there is also another word, and it means trials. It means trials. 
And what Jesus is leading us to pray is, Lord, I'm leaning on you. I'm depending on you. I'm looking to you to, in your providential guidance and care of my life, don't let me get into a trial that is too much for me. I believe this verse is about knowing yourself. Your weaknesses, the snares that you know make you stumble. How many of you know you got that one thing you can't get around? Come on, don't look at me so holy. You got one thing you can't get around. Some of you, it's a little group of ladies gossiping. You, you can't get in there. You're going to go there. All right? Some people, you can't get them within half a mile of a liquor store or they're going to go down. You know what that one thing is. Come on, you know what that one thing is. Some of you, you gave up smoking years ago, but if somebody locked you in a cigarette factory, you'd be in trouble. We all got that one thing. Come on, we, if you got one thing, come on, I do, come on. Don't look so holy at me, boy. You're making me feel like I'm a dirty sinner up here. <laughs> See, it, Jesus is teaching us, lead us not into temptation, lead us not into, don't allow us, Lord, to, to walk into a trial too much for us. He's teaching us how to lean daily on God for protection from something we can't handle. It's going to try us to the max. And if you think you can't fall, let me tell you something. Let me just read to you something out of the Message Bible. I couldn't put it better. Don't be naive and self-confident. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Come on, everybody, let's be real. Isn't that true? Not me, Pastor Jeff. I've been walking with God 30 years. I'm tough. I'm God's man of faith and power for the hour. Get out of my way. I am not going to fall. You're about to fall. Because pride comes before a fall. The wise man says, oh, Lord Jesus, today, today, don't allow me to be led into something I can't handle and deliver me from the stratagems and tactics of the devil. I'm leaning on you because, Lord, there are some things that would be bigger than me. And so, Lord, I'm using wisdom here. I know myself. There's that old phrase, know thyself. I know myself. Lord, there are certain things I can't get around, so, Lord, protect me. I'm going to give you an illustration. Think of a mother who takes her young children to Kroger. And they're going down, up and down every aisle. A couple of kids in the cart. I see it all the time. You've got to watch out for them. They'll run you over. And... So here she's going up and down every aisle. She comes to this one aisle and looks down, and it's the candy aisle. And, and she got these two little kids in the car. She said, there, there's the candy aisle. Now, she, I see on the other side of that aisle, there's something that I need. There's something that I want. But if I have any wisdom at all, I will not take my kids down the candy aisle. Unless I want to be harassed. Unless I want a bunch of whining. Unless I want a bunch of begging. Unless I want a bunch of crying. Because if I take them down that candy aisle, I'm taking them down something they can't handle. So you know what this prayer is? It's saying, Lord, today, in your providential care of me, don't let me be taken down a candy aisle. Amen? Come on. Don't let me be taken down a candy aisle. Whatever the candy aisle is for you, you're wise to, I believe that 90% of victory over temptation is avoiding your candy aisle. Watch out for that candy. Because every time you go down that candy aisle, you, another voice and the Holy Ghost starts talking to you. Chocolate. 
chocolate. You, you turn every which way. I have to avoid that aisle because I hear another voice. Just grab, all you have to do is one candy bar. You don't have to get the whole thing. Just get one. And, 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 and they put them right where you can't even check out. But there's the chocolate. There it is. Candy bars. I mean, things that they know are going to appeal. And so I have to avoid that aisle. What aisle do you have to avoid? Say, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Being able to use the candy aisle to take me down. Can we stand together today? And I want you to say with me, let's, let's say them together. Praise, purpose, provision, pardon, protection. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen, amen, amen. And so that prayer covers every possible need in life. So even if you want to pray after praying that, it's so good just to get down and just start and just follow the Lord's prayer and then branch off and pray about whatever you want to. But once you pray through that, you've given God all your needs. And you have praised him. And the presence of God is with you in the room. Amen. Let's lift holy hands to the Lord. Jesus, thank you for this wise, powerful prayer. Thank you, Lord, for giving us these five things that if we'll pray through these five things, every possible need in life is met. Your presence your purpose, your provision. Oh God, thank you, Lord. Your pardon, your protection. So we thank you for all of them, Lord. Now church, let's just pray again together, can we? Say, Lord, increase my prayer life. Increase my prayer life. Lord, I'm praying over this congregation right now, starting with me that you will baptize us anew and afresh in a spirit of prayer. The spirit of prayer will wash over us. The spirit of prayer will grow in us. The spirit of prayer will, will increase, that we, we will become uh, prayers on a level we've never known. Lord, not for our glory, but for the sake of the kingdom, for the advancement of the kingdom of God, for the advancement of God's kingdom in our own life and in the lives of our family and the lives of our city and the lives of our country lives of our world, Lord, raise up a mighty army of prayers at Turning Point Church. Raise up a mighty army of prayers. In the mighty name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, thank you.